In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Yeah, we're about, uh, what, two months from being able to say our 73rd year. October 15th, the anniversary. Hey, we got a special edition today. We're going to learn about the uh, scouting. You know, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts. That sort of thing as it exists here and around the state. Maybe even the, the world. Phil Perry joins us. A friend and neighbor and a highly recognized scouting leader. Right here on 970 WATH, the party line. Beautiful day outside, 70 degrees presently. Headed up to uh, 88. Uh, let see. We have a little mention of a light rain tomorrow, Friday. And then the weekend looks clear, and then light rain on Monday again. And a thunderstorm on Tuesday. Mercy, I better stop looking ahead. Phil Perry, good morning. Oh, good morning. Glad to be here. Yeah, welcome. And, um, you know, we're, we're neighbors. And um, uh, you and Darla and myself have been going out having dinner once in a while and things like that. But I really don't know your scouting background very well. So we're going to learn it today. Now, it just occurred to me to ask some general questions. Where were you raised? I was raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. And your your parents, their backgrounds. What, um, that's not me, is that? My phone doesn't ring like that. Mine makes a weirder sound. Where is it now? Scott, is your phone in here somewhere? <laughs> anyway. We'll get this settled down here. It's not you? Nope. Well, they gave up. Anyway, um, I'll bet Scott left his phone in the in the studio here. Okay, let's let's keep going here. So your parents, Breck, you were you raised in Minnesota, um, in a city? Yes, uh, south south uh, part of Minneapolis. Okay, and your parents' background. Well, both my mom and dad were born in Minneapolis, and my dad went to, they both went to the University of Minnesota, and uh, my dad was an aeronautical engineer with Northwest Airlines for his whole career, and my mom uh, went to college for child psychology and had four kids, so she got to practice what she learned. Now, with four kids, how did uh, you... Five w- kids. F- five? Yes. How many, uh, where did you rank amongst them? I was, the, I'm the oldest. You're the oldest, okay. Now, um, when did you first become a scout yourself? Uh, in uh, the early 1950s, uh, I joined the uh, Cub Scouts. Yeah. And my dad was in scouting, and he was... Um, Eagle Scout, the highest rank. And oh my! And he was Boy Scouts, and he was also in the Sea Scouts. And yeah. You wouldn't think about Sea Scouts in Minnesota, but uh, they had a little ship, and they would uh, cruise up and down the Mississippi River. Which y- was yeah. 
that would have appealed to me because I was I love to. Um, why well, I, I had a certain ranking at the uh, Leather Lips Yacht Club up in Columbus, and uh, they're across from the zoo. I love to sail and stuff. Okay, so now. Um, Let's see. The um, your father's profession again was what? An aeronautical engineer. Okay. And uh, according to his mother, his first words was aeroplane. Aeroplane. <laughs> How about that? Well, you know, I was wondering because you have gone on to become, shall I say, a forester? Yes. Is that term acceptable? Yes. Yep. Okay. Right. And and so I was wondering if their backgrounds had led to that, but it sounds like that was something that came to you. Well, we did a lot of uh, camping, a lot of canoeing, a lot of things outside, so that's what uh, uh, sparked my interest in, in forestry uh, besides uh, uh, Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. And my mother's oldest brother was also a forester. I see. Now define, what is a forester? Well, forestry is the art and science of managing the woods for multiple uses. Uh, timber production, protect uh, wildlife, mm -hmm. promote, you know, and encourage wildlife to uh, protect the watershed for, for uh um, so clean, we have clean water, and uh, like around here, around Athens, is with all these hills, if there's no uh, vegetation, especially trees in the hillside, they will erode, and the uh, soil will go down in the river and, and, uh, and degrade the, the water quality. So having trees, on the, especially on hillsides, is a real beneficial. Aura Anderson was yeah. a very close member of our family um, as I was growing up. Uh, and folks, many many of you out there, <coughs> excuse me, many of you out there know him as Andy Anderson. But uh, he used to be somewhat critical, he had a speech, of the design of the rerouting of the Hocking River. And he said the way it curves around, it's always going to fill up with silt. And um, even though that was a man-made, engineered um, rerouting of the river, uh, he thought they could have done a better job. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think he's pretty much right. And uh, the natural courses of rivers are curving. They don't, the river, if you make, straighten it up and make it straight, it, it wants to go back to a curving, uh, meandering. Mm. And so that's where the buildup, but... At the time, they did the one around Athens. Uh, they didn't really understand all this. But uh, I know Ora Anderson, and I dealt with him several times because he would come up to the Forest Service. Of course. And uh, he'd come in, and every time we get a new district ranger, he'd come in and tell the new district ranger everything the Forest Service was doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and after he got that, and then... At the end, you always say, well, what can I do to help you? Yes, yes. He was uh, very knowledgeable and very willing to participate. So, 
um, now forestry. Where do you learn forestry? Well, I went to forestry school at the University of Minnesota. Okay. And so I learned a scientific uh, background. And we also had two field sessions that we would, you know, uh, have cabins in the woods and for several weeks, you know, try to actually um, practice what we've learned and doing uh, inventory and doing some uh, management to, to learn about forestry. And, and, and how many years were you the, a forester? Oh, uh, about over 30 years, okay. 35 years. And locally, what uh, brought you to Athens? Well, I've, the Forest Service, you move around quite a bit. So I worked, I started my work in the, in the Chippewa National Forest in Minnesota. Uh, then I went to uh, uh, the Green Mountains uh, National Forest in Vermont. From there, the Hiawatha in the UP of Michigan. And then to, uh, and then I got married to Darla. And a week later, I moved to the Monongahela West uh, National Forest in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then after our son was born, uh, we were looking for places to move on, and uh, Darla's parents lived right outside of Columbus in Grove City. Yes. And when we drove from West Virginia to see them, we always came right through Athens. And a job opened up in Athens, and we sort of said we knew the town. He said, oh, this is a nice town. I think we'll just uh, apply, and I got the job. Good choice. So would that have been with the Wayne or? Yes, the Wayne National Forest. Okay. And um, some of the decisions in the course of holding that post with the Wayne uh, that were troubling or um not troubling, but uh, difficult. Uh, well, there's lots of in because national forest we manage for the uh, the greatest good of the public, and so the public has a lot of variety of uh, ideas. What is the be- best thing for management? We mm-hmm. get all the ones from uh, people that think we should uh, uh, have a lot of timber harvesting or drill for oil and gas and all the way to the other end that they don't want us to do anything, uh, preserve it, and uh, the forests, national forests are for use, so we have to balance uh, uh, all the uses and try to to satisfy everybody, and a lot of cases it's it's not possible. It strikes me that forestry and um, the way you were raised and all that sort of thing, your parents' backgrounds, uh, would have led you to scouting. And so at what age did that happen? And was it your idea or their idea or a combination? Well, I think it must have been at the time about uh, second or third grade. And as far as I know, my mom just signed me up for Cub Scouts. Yeah, that's about the way it happened for me. And... I enjoyed it, and then my bro- younger brother is two years younger. He came along two years later in Cub Scouts, and then it was at the, held at our church, Mayflower Church in Minneapolis, where 
the sponsors, and then when I got old enough, like sixth grade, I joined the Boy Scouts. And uh, now, in my memory, there was a thing called Explorers. Yes. Does that still exist? Uh, yes, uh, they call Explorers, and they have another group called uh, Adventurers, and they're okay. for a little bit older scouts, you know, like 14 or 15 and up. So Cubs is the youngest group, right. Scouts is the largest group, yeah. and Cubs. then Explorers and Adventurers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's talk about gender, okay? So um, everything we've mentioned has been boys um but what about the girls okay well actually the explorers and the adventure groups were co-ed and have been for quite a few years that's neat and so but it's just a couple of years ago they have started up uh, opening cub scouts and boy scouts well it's, uh, it's now called scouts bsa and and they have uh, what they call boys troops and girls troops so they're sort of separate, and but they do uh, camp together, although in uh, sep separate separate areas, but close by, so they can do activities together. Yeah, they would. I could imagine that. Um, and I guess in like Canada and Western Europe, well, a lot of scouting scouting has been for many years co-ed. You know, they haven't they didn't have separate. Uh, Groups. Now, am I mistaken, or did scouting the concept actually originate overseas? Uh, in England, uh, Lord Baden-Powell started scouting in, I think, 1908. And uh, he had this idea, so he decided to try it out. And there was an island off in England in the uh, English Channel called Brown Sea Island. And mm -hmm. he took a group there and tried out his... Uh, uh, a program and the boys seemed to really enjoy it, so that's, that was the, the start. And then I've seen several different dates, but they're all just two or three or four years later that it uh, moved here. Uh, that was 1910 established, and uh, 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 there was a businessman that went to London and, and it was foggy, and he couldn't find his way, and some boy came up and said, uh, asked him where he needed to go, and he told him, and the, the boy took him to uh, his address, and he was going to pay him, and this, he said, well, no, I'm a scout, mm -hmm. and we don't take payment for good turns. And that just intrigued him that it, when he came back to the U.S., he started up... Uh, helped to start up Boy Scouts in the United States. Wow. Well, do you have any hunch? Um, I, I tried to find a figure, and maybe I just ran out of time, but uh, how many active Scouts are there in our nation? Would you have a guess? Uh, I'm not real sure, but okay. it, it, it'd be in, in, the, you know, in the thousands Many thousand. Yeah, I, I'm. It seems to me that I ran into a figure somewhere, but then I lost it again. But I thought it was like 8.1 million. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're, we're a big country, yeah. so that's still that's not everybody, but it's 
It's a good-sized group. It's the largest of its nature. Yes, that's right. Now, um, here in Athens, um, so, so I was involved as a Boy Scout and a Cub Scout. I got various merit badges. Um, a friend of mine made Eagle. I did not. Um, let's see here. I never got involved in Explorers, although I hadn't. Um, I guess I was already focused in show business too much then. But uh, I do think it had a very good effect on me. You know what I mean? Right. Now, here you are, an adult, retired, and you're still active in the Scouts. Yes. And in fact, in May, you received kind of like their highest award. And um, let's see, uh, folks, we all know Joe Burrow. Well, his dad was the speaker at this event, and you and... Matt Goodwin and Chris Nisley were all recognized, but you in particular. Um, now, what was the name of this award? It's called the Keith Butt, Butt Award. And Keith Butt was a person that was very active in this local area in scouting and with a lot of troops. And he would come to several troops, and he helped plan uh, camperies. And, and, uh, and he passed away. Uh, a number of years ago, and so they, in his honor, they mm-hmm. uh, named the award after him. Sure. And this is uh, given, what, annually? Yes. Okay. Uh, no, not annually. Just uh, whenever they uh, uh, whenever uh, they find someone they think m- yeah, warrants it. Yeah, it's, it. it's, it's, uh, it's not, uh, they, they don't do it every year. Now, um, <coughs> let's see, has there ever been a period of time when you weren't involved with Scouts? Um, well, actually, after I graduated from college and then went off to work, um, I uh, was not involved, and I restarted up, and my son Anthony was old enough to get into uh, Cub Scouts, mm. and uh, he was going to school at West Elementary, and they had a Cub Scout pack there, and it had folded. The Cub Master had left town. And two women of uh, that had kids in the, the pack wanted to restart it, so they, uh, I got in contact with them, and the scouting exec for the area had a little meeting with us and decided, okay, who's going to be the scoutmaster? And my thought at the time was, I'll be a patrol leader for my son's patrol, which is a smaller unit. And he told me, he says, well, why don't you be scoutmaster? Because you only have to plan one meeting every month. And a patrol leader has to plan a meeting every month, every week. Mm-hmm. I thought that was dubious, <laughs> <laughs> but I took the job anyways. Yeah. Well, cool. The um, Let's see here. Let's just start with some traditions. When I uh, first joined the Scouts, I had a uniform. Blue, as I recall. It was Cub Scouts. And yep, yep, um, it still is okay, and um, and we were expected to wear it to uh, each event. Now it seems to me like some of that's relaxed a bit. 
But, um, of course, when you then hit scouts, um, I'm not, not a Cub Scout, but a Boy Scout, um, then it was, um, what, is khaki color? Yes, that's okay. right. And then explorers, what was that? Uh, I think they had a green. Okay. Well, um, are the uniforms that big a deal still? Uh, we, uh, well, we're not. Uh, uh, we try to encourage the scouts to wear the uniform. To, mm -hmm. And there's uniform shirt, there's pants. Uh, we just like to have them wear the shirt, and that has their badges on it. You know, if they get a rank. Sure. Uh, they put that on, and uh, they have the, what troop they're belonging to. And uh, uh, story about that. Go ahead. So, so especially if we go to other activities, uh, we like to have them wearing it. A couple of years ago, the the troop, you know, the world World Scouting Jamboree was held in West Virginia a couple of years ago, and that's held around the world a different place every four years. And so our troop went for the day and met you know, scouts from all over the world. And it was quite quite an uh, event for our scouts. Would you say that scouting is, um, could you name a country or two where it's even a bigger deal than here? Uh, mm, By here, I mean I the U.S. I I, I'm not sure, but it's, it's there's, you know, over a hundred countries, I, I don't know how many, but there, most countries have a, a scouting organization. That's neat. Well, um, <coughs> so merit badges. Um, pick, pick a few uh, and, and describe, you know, after doing this or that, you then earn this badge. Yeah. Well, when the scouts start up is they, they earn their scout badge. They have some requirements and they have second class additional, a little bit harder requirements, first class, and then they start working on star, life, and eagle, and with those, it's mostly merit badges. Mm -hmm. And there's over, I don't know, 120, maybe more merit badges that the scouts can earn, so they can... Now, now you know, and, and this may be putting you on the spot here, but name a merit badge that is maybe no one would think of here mm. uh, like aerospace uh, welding welding that's cool yeah. okay and um, they have and they have for, for for eagle you have to earn 21 merit badges and and 13 of them are required and the others the scouts you, can pick anything you they can want pick, yes. and some of the required ones are they have to earn the first aid merit badge uh, they have to earn citizenship in the community, citizenship in the nation, citizenship in the world. Uh, they have to learn have camping merit badge, cooking merit badge. Um, so quite a few different ones that uh, um, actually that uh, scouts can learn a lot and is helpful to them their whole life. Now. Um Let's see here. Uh, you you happen to have brought in a copy of kind of like your history in the scouts. Yes. And um, 
this is uh, well written and all of that, but I, I don't think I should just read it uh, out loud. That's. Can you pick a few highlights in your time mm-hmm. in scouting? Okay. Yeah, and uh, and most of my scouting career was with my brother, and so that was. And when. Uh, and your brother lives where now? Uh, he's passed away. Okay. Sorry. How yeah. long ago did uh, that occur? Uh, Fourteen years ago. My. Okay. But uh, uh, I'm, well, we had a summer camp uh, along the St. Croix River, which is the border with Wisconsin, and we went to summer camp for two two whole weeks. Most camps now are summer camps are a one week, and our troop, and uh, that was probably my favorite activity than scouting and you know learning activities. Uh, Having campfires uh, uh, and uh, having a, we had a waterfront and mm-hmm. doing swimming activities, so it was. Uh, uh, the only downside is up in Minnesota is mosquitoes can get very, very bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, uh, it was great, and we had uh, older man that uh, adult leader that would come each year to summer camp, and he had a. Uh, Indian teepee made up mm. that he would live in for that two weeks, mm-hmm. and he had a bed that was made out of poles and rope, and he had woven the rope for the mattress, and it actually was quite comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in front of his tent, he had an old cowbell, <laughs> and any time a scout earned a requirement or a merit badge, they would bring the re- uh, the, uh, the slip saying that they earned it. They put it in a box next to it and would ring the cowbell, and everybody that was heard it would cheer for him making that, uh, completing that requirement. Neat, neat. Well, the um, okay, so camping for two weeks, and we're not talking about with RVs and things like that. We're talking about we had. Tents, and tents, and at that time it was RV surplus tents. Two, two scouts to a tent, and we had uh, uh, army cot to sleep on with mm-hmm. a sleeping bag. Uh, we had reveille. I don't know, seven thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they had a, a cooking shack that they uh, well, fed us. That's where I was going. Was food okay? So can you picture back of some of the. Was the food really good, or was it? Eh. <laughs> I would say it was, it was basic. Basic, okay. Because our dining hall had a roof on it, but we had no uh, no screens. Well, the, the cooking part had screens, but the eating part it was open. A shelter house. Yeah, a roof. Yep. And open sides. And. Of course, with uh, some of our requirements, we had cooking requirements for uh, our ac- uh, requirements, and so we would cook our own meals for, uh, a couple times to, to earn that requirement. But uh, after my brother Mike and I, you know, we camped there for many years. And Did you most <laughs> often, um, um, uh, you and your brother in the same tent? Uh, no, they, they like. Uh, they like to separate brothers Good. far away, Good. and which worked out just quite fine. But uh, I was going to say that uh, 
my mom, I found out years later, said that was her highlight of the summer when Mike and I were gone for two weeks. <laughs> because that meant our younger sister, she could be alone with my, spend time with my, just my younger sister for two whole weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say um, there's somebody listening that has a young y youngster. Uh, at what age do you think scouting ought to occur best, is the best time to start scouting? Uh, well, actually, now in, in Cub Scouts, they start like first grade. Okay. And, uh, um, you know, they got a program, and uh, it's for the scout uh, and, and the parents. They, you know, they, they encourage the parents to be with them at that age. Sure. And... Uh, from that they go, uh, then they in the Cub Scouts, and then at the end of fifth grade they can join a, a Boy Scout troop. So they look at, and there's a couple in Athens, so they can uh, choose which one they they want to go to. Do we um, do we have that third level of explorers in our region? Uh, yep, and I'm not sure what's active right now. And okay, but. Um, Cub Scouts, very active. Boy Scouts, extremely active. And uh, first grade is a great time to start in the mm -hmm. Cubs. And when you hit sixth grade, you should be in Scouts. Right. Okay. That all makes sense to me. The, um, the Simon Kenton Council. Okay. That is, there's different parts of the nation, and it's divided up. And so there's many different uh, larger councils, if you will. So Athens is a member of that, right? Right. Simon Kenton. Mm -hmm. And uh, who are some of the other members in our region? Okay. Yeah, Simon Kenton. It's headquarters in Columbus, and it includes uh, um, central Col Ohio and southern Ohio and a couple counties in the um, excuse me, mm -hmm. in Kentucky. Um, near Coshocton uh, is the uh, Muskingum Valley uh, uh, Council. And so, uh, and there's a Buckskin Council over in West Virginia that includes uh, uh, Washington, Washington County in, in Ohio. So Marietta, yeah. Yeah, right, excuse so me. So now, um, <coughs> In our zone, what what's the term for the our zone? Oh, council. A council. Yep. Okay. Um, how many troops are there? Oh. Um, I I looked at a map. I I, I really don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking it's just three. Okay. Well, no, there's. Uh, oh, that's just you know that could be made around Athens County. So uh, the whole council, I'm sure there's more like 30 or oh. 40 or something like that. Okay. I'm not real sure on the numbers. Well, um, maybe this map was uh, not drawn very well. But in any case, um, so how many years now have you been doing this? Um, since uh, 1987. Okay. And do you, you know, do you think it's coming to an end, or is this something you intend to do until you go? 
Well, at one point, it's time to turn it over to the younger generation, but not quite yet. But the experience itself, I mean, there's one thing to be the leader. The, there's another one to be a participant. And I think you've enjoyed the participation as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, you could lessen your responsibilities, but still participate, right? Right. Right. Uh, one thing we do, and for every rank the scout earns, is we hold at the end, after they've done all the requirements, what we call a board of review, mm-hmm. which is three adults, and they don't have to be scout leaders. They could be parents. They could be a community member that would review what they did as a final step before they earn their rank. And it's just sort of a conversation to how things went and what went right, what went wrong, or, and to get feedback from the scout of, of how we're doing. Did I see somewhere where your uh, your wife, Darla's father, was also involved in scouting? Yes, <laughs> yes, he was, uh, uh, yeah, he was a Eagle Scout also, like my dad. Yeah. <coughs> and, and had they known each other? Oh, no, they, uh, he grew up in, uh, uh, in outside of Harris, Harris, Harrisville, uh, Harrisburg, West uh, Ohio, and my dad was up in Minnesota, so they okay. they, they didn't meet until Darla and I mar- met and got married. And uh, your three sons, two sons, two sons, um, did make eagle, right? That's right. Now, how much of that was pressure from you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they knew we expected it. Yeah. But I tried not to uh, overdo uh, it. Overdo right. it. Well, I did have a discussion with one of them, and he had one requirement for one merit badge for life, and he got to the point. Now nah, he didn't want to do it. Y- do you recall the topic? Uh, uh, no. Okay. And so I said, okay, I'll make an agreement with you. He says, you get this one requirement, you earn life. I won't say anything more about earning Eagle. And he said, okay. And for the next year and a half, he didn't do any merit badges. Uh, Then I think he went to Boise State, and they were asking me, you know, a questionnaire. I said, you know, what have activities are have you been in? You mm-hmm. know, what did you do? And uh, for a background, and one of them, were you a Boy Scout? He said, yeah. And he says, have you earned Order of the Arrow, which is a Boy Scout? And he says, yes. And I think it dawned on him and said, oh, maybe scouting is, Eagle is important. And he... Uh, refocused. Refocused huh? and said he wanted to do it, and he did it. All right, let's talk about, um, golly, I didn't have time to look this up uh, last night. I got sidetracked, but uh, there's a national camp, and I want to say New Mexico or somewhere like that. Um, Philmont, the name just came to me. Yes. Where is that? Uh, It's in uh, northern New Mexico. Oh, it is New Mexico. Okay. And it's... uh, it was a scout ranch, and it's wilderness uh, backpacking, and they have thousands of acres. And, and uh, Now, that's I, that's probably the best-known nationally. Right. But, but, there, up, but there's a up, whole yeah. bunch of others, too, right? Well, growing up in Minnesota, 
we just thought, oh, that's too far away. We'd rather go to northern Minnesota to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area for the canoe base. We went, which actually is on the border with Canada, so that's what uh, most troops in Minnesota did. They went up canoeing in northern Minnesota over into Canada. And that time at the boundary where we canoed across was uh, probably in the middle of a lake, so there was, you know, it was pretty easy getting into Canada at that time. And, and you didn't have to show your, um, what, what's that card? Passport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, there was no <laughs> no, no passport. To, yeah. No, but the Canadians did have a ranger station that uh, there was no roads to it. The only way they get to it is by boat or by wow. seaplane. And you, I think our leaders went in there and checked in and said, yep, we got a bunch of Boy Scouts coming in. And they said, fine. And, uh all we had to do is uh, get the uh, Canadian or uh, fishing license, which were at that time two dollars each. Wow! You know, I'm, I I used to enjoy fishing a great deal, <clears throat> particularly surf fishing, saltwater from the shore. Um, even had a record on. Um, Famous actor. I caught a 612-pound bluefin marlin. Lee. Oh, he, he was in westerns a lot and a real jokester. Marvin. Lee Marvin, Marvin thank oh. you, thank you. <laughs> That's true. Lee Marvin's boat. Um, well, anyway, um, I'm sort of, I haven't had a fishing license in a long time. What do they run these days? Just a no. common license locally. No. Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, I don't either. So, uh, you know, what have I failed to bring out about this whole scouting thing? Well, I think one th thing I find very good in, in scouting is, like a troop is from a fifth grader all the way up to seniors in high school. Mm -hmm. And so I always find that uh, boys like to have be around older boys and sure. do things with them. And within scouting, uh, we always encourage the older scouts to help out the younger ones, show them how to do things, you know, and work with them. And usually they say, well, these fifth graders, they're a pain, and they don't listen to us, and why should, you know, they just gripe. And I look at our older scouts and said, well, that's exactly how you acted when you were a fifth grader. Mm -hmm. And when the uh, fifth graders do come to the troop, the older scouts actually do very, very well uh, uh, working with the younger ones. And so I think that's a real benefit is that they have a positive role model in scouting from uh, the younger scouts to the older scouts. When you think of some of the young men, young people you've worked with over the years, in this many years of this, and where where they are today, um, do you really express in your mind how much scouting made a difference in their lives and why they have achieved so well? Mm -hmm. do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Would they have done as well if they hadn't been a scout? It's something like that. Yeah. I mean, I know it's all guessing, yeah. but what do you think? I think it was a positive influence. And 
And uh, um, I know in one case we had, uh, I think, three scouts in uh, Athens High School, and we had another uh, boy that came from, I think, <laughs> Seattle. He had been scouting there, <coughs> and they talked this person who didn't know many, anybody here but into scouting with our troop, and he uh, did very good. And, and three of them earned Eagle Scouts, and we had a ceremony of three of them together. And the one that came from out of the state is uh, now mayor of Chillicothe. <laughs> well, okay, so, you know, we're starting to run short on time. So if somebody's listening out there and they have a, a child or a grandchild and they would like to have them um, look into this and um, and perhaps become a member and and benefit from it. Well, right now they've been doing a rec- uh, the troops and the Cub Packs are doing recruiting for new members, and and I think they've been uh, sending out information in all the schools about okay. how you can join. Um, and the other w- way to do it is uh, National Boy Scouts have a site called Scouting.org. Yes. And you go on there and it says, if you want to join a troop or a cub pack, you just put your zip code number in and they'll give you a list of uh, uh, troops and packs that are in the area. And phone numbers and contacts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the troop I'm with, involved with is Troop 71 at the First Best United Methodist Church right downtown Athens. Cool. And, and how large is your troop? Uh, we've got uh, 14 scouts. Okay. Um, in Worthington, when I was growing up, I think, uh, I think we had like 80. Um, has scouting waned a little bit? Uh, yes. Okay. And uh, why do you, why do you think that's occurred? Um, probably because there's so many other organizations that are active at that age group. And I know when I was in scouts, there wasn't a whole lot of other uh, organizations that you could do things with. Mm. You know, there was m- it was more limited. So there's got uh, there's more options. Y- young people today have a lot, a lot more options than we used to. Excellent. What do you What do you think I've uh, failed to bring up that you you thought uh, in thinking about this show we should? Mm, I th- think we covered it pretty well. Okay. Well, listen, uh, Phil Perry is our guest today. Uh, He's also a friend and neighbor. And, um, you know, this this, uh, recognition you receive, um, that was at an annual meeting, um, which is kind of like a banquet. I think it was held at the Inn, the Ohio University Inn. And um, they recognized you and Matt Goodwin and Chris Nisley. Now, <clears throat> Chris, um, see, was Chris on council when I was? I think briefly. But Chris is uh, currently the city council president. Um, tell me about Matt Goodwin. I've known him, but wh- why was he recognized? Um, well, he was... Th- 
recognized for uh, service and, and things he did to help out uh, scouting in the in the, in the county. Good. Well, congratulations. Yep. Thank you. And uh, once again, folks, uh, it, it seems like um, if you go to uh, the website, just search Boy Scouts of America or something like that. Uh, and I, I did some of that last night as I was preparing for this. Um, any, uh, any number of things you might put in there is what to search for works. And then you'll eventually get to the Boy Scouts of America site. And as uh, Phil mentioned, you put in your general geographical area information and it'll tell you about things there and contact numbers and that sort of thing. Phil, thanks for being here. Okay. I'm glad, glad to help out. You bet. And uh, keep up the work, right? <laughs> yep. Thank you. All right. Scott, what's uh, what's on your mind today? Is Scott back there? Yes, he is. I'll turn yeah, on that mic. Yeah, I'm here. What, what uh, uh, this was kind of a last-minute thing. I just walked across the street last night and said, Phil. What are you doing tomorrow morning? He said, going shopping. I said, delay it one hour. So he did. Um, what do you think is important today? Um, I'd like to know where you can get one of those um, loans where I can get a bunch of money and not have to pay it back. <laughs> and the taxpayers of the United States will pay it for me. What? That's what's on my mind. About the loan forgiveness. Uh, That's supposedly going to happen, but I thought Congress had to approve it. Okay, I guess first. this. Uh, but you had to have a loan in order. So you yeah. mean like household uh, school loans? School loans. Yeah. Oh, that thing. Yeah. Okay, now I know where we're. Yeah, talking. I want one of those loans where you don't have to pay them back. Are you still paying yours back? Oh no! Oh, but see, what about the people? Years that, ago. What about the people that did pay them back? Do they get refunds now? Should they get a refund? I see. How about the people that couldn't afford to go to college that now they could have gone and gone debt-free? They chose another field. That's what's on the on the thought list today, this okay. morning. Well, we'll get into it uh, as we wrap up the week tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, boy, I tell you, that's going to drive up inflation even more because uh, the American taxpayer is going to have to fund all of that now. You and me. $36,000 per person is what it roughly breaks out to be. I could use a little bit of that, but uh, I don't have any but, school uh, loans. I don't know where you get one of those loans, so we can get a bunch of money and not have to pay it back. Okay. That's it. Well, we'll uh, <laughs> focus on that a little bit tomorrow. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, once again, the weather is supposed to be very pleasant today. It's going to be warm. 88 degrees is where we're going to peak out at. I'll mow my grass today because uh, tomorrow they say there may be some light rain. But Saturday and Sunday look great. And uh, 87 on Saturday, 91 on Sunday. Summer temperatures are returning. Yeah. Uh, but right now here on Columbus Road, 73. Let's see here. Where's the clock? There's the clock. We have like five seconds. Yes. Folks, take care out there. We'll be happy to see you again tomorrow.
In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Stay tuned to 970 WATH. Hopefully we'll have CBS News here along the way and a Fairhope Hospice program on 970 WATH. Currently 73 degrees and beautiful morning sunshine at 970 WATH. High temperature today going to be near 90. <laughs> interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints. Call your doctor if you have any 
any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit creoninfo.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's creoninfo.com. A major league record falls thanks to a starting pitcher's pinpoint accuracy. 24-year-old right-hander George Kirby on the mound looking for his... Seattle right-hander George Kirby facing the Washington Nationals. Three pitches, off strikes. Good start for George Kirby. Early accuracy on the Mariners network. But George just continues to throw strikes and pound that strike zone. And by the second inning... Since 1988, no pitcher has ever thrown 22 consecutive strikes to begin a ball game. But Kirby wasn't quite done. It ends at 24. 24 consecutive strikes thrown by George Kirby. A major league record in a 3-1 to one loss. Steve Kathan, CBS News. Journal of Infection documents the case of one unlucky man in Italy. He tested positive for COVID, monkeypox, and HIV all in the same day. Unidentified 36-year-old had been back nine days from a trip to Spain where he had unprotected sex with six other men. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Oil investments involve a high degree of risk and actual results may vary. Oil keeps going up. Hedge against inflation and the downturn in the stock market. Get in on the next major oil boom now and help make an investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you are an SEC-accredited investor, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects. Call 1-800-278-7455. That's 1-800-278-7455. Guys, stop putting your love life on hold. U.S. Pharmacy has some exciting news. If you've been wanting to try Viagra or Cialis, now's the perfect time. Call today and receive 90 little blue or little yellow pills for only $119 with free shipping. Why order some? low-dose sildenafil from one of those subscription services when we can give you what you want now. Call 800-711-6818 and we'll rush your order discreetly packaged to your door. 800-711-6818. 